Hey everyone and welcome. It is absolutely a joy to be here and to have you here and to speak about something that I absolutely enjoy speaking about. And if you haven't gotten the hint by now, it's um, talking about absolutes. Something that I find fascinating and that's something that um, only through the power of words, the human self-conscious mind and the associated ego can humans speak in a way that lies almost all the time. So much so that we don't even give it second thought. And that's part of the problem with the way we communicate. And this may sound a little facetious, but I'm going to call out the human species. And myself included, my past self definitely included, a lot more, for being guilty of the entitlement of being able to say words, words that aren't true, and yet have a very firm belief that they are. And I'm going to use an example from one of my very favorite speakers. And what else, what other word would encompass Eckhart Tolle? Because he's not a thinker or a deep thinker. I get accused of that all the time. And I have to laugh because, you know, deep thinking is one of the last things I do. The thoughts just arise from the feelings that I know I am and that this life is about and that the situation demands and it's actually just that simple but Eckhart Tolle having had a very similar experience to myself freed himself from the tether to being identified with thinking and so he's an exemplar of experiencing this life and yet even he is not infallible to the human language gone awry. And so I'm going to use a quote that I saw recently on his Instagram feed that says, The primary cause of unhappiness is never the situation, but your thoughts about it. And at first glance, that sounds like a perfectly acceptable sentence, right? Because there's a deep, deep truth in this. Unhappiness, most often in the human species, is caused by our thoughts about the situation that we're in. I know that to be true. I know that's the reason why I've challenged the first noble truth, the truth about suffering, existing. Because for the most part, it doesn't have to exist, there's a high probability that there won't be suffering most of the time in most human lives. But we can, through thinking, come to believe that we have all these problems, all these challenges, all these unacceptable situations. And in some cases, people think that there are things they will never overcome, which becomes anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. So back to Eckhart's statement, the primary cause of unhappiness is never the situation, but your thoughts about it. Well, maybe by now you've tweaked to the thing that I'm going to point out based on the way I introduced the podcast. Never. Let's talk about the word never. Let's talk about absolute words in general, because I find it very interesting and very poignant the way we speak and the way we allow one another to get away with speaking that way. And a lot of the time it doesn't have to be this 
serious conversation, except that it's another thing that we do so prevalently that affects us that if we did take the time to stop and think about it, and more importantly, stop thinking and feel about it, we'd understand what we're doing and how we're feeling because of what we're thinking. Because I'm going to point out the two levels on which we exist, which make this statement not true. Let's start with shortly after you're born. And of course you aren't thinking yet, you don't have any concepts or ideas in your mind, but your mother leaves the room and you see her walk away. And she's done this regularly, so it's okay. But on this occasion, she stays away longer than normal. And you start to get unhappy. You start to get anxious. You start to get all these very real feelings. They aren't coming from thinking. They're just there. Now, this is a primary example of how our unhappiness is caused and our thoughts had nothing to do with it. Now let's fast forward to later in life. You're getting towards middle age and your mother's getting into her elderly years. And then the day comes when your mother passes. And you're either there or you hear the news and you instantly break down. You cry. You're sad. You have a deep feeling of loss, of physical disconnection an emotional disconnection from someone that you're used to being there and you're dreadfully unhappy an existential unhappiness it's very real and you didn't have to think about it you didn't have to make a a list of the things that will make you feel sad in the future because you won't be able to share them with your mother experience them with your mother talk to your mother about them about life and whatnot whatever you connected on on a real level besides the loving connection that you may have had as mother and child. And that's why the si statement, your unhappiness is never about the situation, isn't true. Because of the word never. I would say an improved version of this sentence would be, your happiness is often, not often about the situation about your thoughts about the situation because that's the layer on the which we live that we can control is our thoughts we can't control everything that happens in life and buddha spoke to that by saying life is suffering or life has unsatisfactoriness to it but it's not that dire a proposition it isn't the whole damn thing and then the, the Buddha went on to point out that there's something that we can do about this because the cause of, of this suffering, this unsatisfactoriness, is desire. And without directly pointing it out, there's two layers from which our desire can come. Life has an innate desire for all life forms, and that is to experience life as it is, on its own terms. For humans, as who and what we are. For animals, as who and what they are, each of them being an individual. 
all life has that absolute right. And this is where absolute is true. There's a few things I know absolutely. And that is from the time I'm born to the time I die, I'm going to get to experience this life on these three levels, spirit, in body, with mind. I also absolutely know that it's not me that's completely in control of my life. It can't be. Because I don't have to think to make my heart beat, to make my food digest, to make myself try and heal and rebalance constantly and consistently from the challenges of life. Those are all fine that they happen. And I'm blessed to realize that I can't control it all. And Lord knows I wouldn't want to. It's too complicated. You wouldn't be able to have enough thinking power to actually make your whole body do everything it needs to do every moment of every day, even if you could. That's a good thing. And I absolutely know that's true. I don't give it a name. I don't have any particular affinity with any religions, any names for gods, goddesses, creators. I know they're there. I know it's there. It's in, around, and through everything. I just accept it on that level without having to have my mind be clever and say something about it. doesn't matter. And we don't have to know it to experience it. We absolutely do not have to experience it and be able to explain how we're experiencing it through our mind. In fact, going to that length is just a little bit insane. But since we are human and we do have this self-conscious mind, what the self-conscious mind likes to do is constantly deconstruct the world around and rebuild it into things. And in so doing, we've deconstructed the sounds that we make and are capable of making, they've reconstructed them into language. And through language, we've created words. We've created words with meanings. We've conferred meanings to all sorts of different sounds and words. And amongst these words are absolute terms, which humans tend to use a lot, and which I'm going to have to say the ego really likes to use, because it kind of puts the ego on a pedestal as if the ego is the best part of the human self-conscious mind. Because besides Eckhart's sentence which um, is easily explained away, and which I mean with no disrespect to, to Eckhart and his intended meaning, which is very true as well. There's just more to the story than that. I'm sure Eckhart realizes it, and he'd probably have a laugh if uh, he listened to this or had it pointed out. It's not that serious, but at the same time, it's kind of really serious. Because on that level, our mind gets away with lying all the time. That is the subconscious ego going, ha-ha, gotcha. And here's some more examples of the way our, our ego can use absolute terms. Things like the best, the only, never, forever, always. I like to use humorous examples such as if you drive around your city, I'm sure you'll be able to find a restaurant that says the best falafels in town. You'll be able to sign, find a mechanic, the best mechanic in town. You'll be able to find w one of any number of things, and they all claim to be the best. Well, can it be proven? Absolutely not. Hmm. And that's a good use of the word absolutely there, if you know what I mean. It's like the Olympics, trying to find who is the best at this, that, and the other thing in the world. 
okay, well, on that given day, on these conditions, with this group of people who have specifically trained for this certain task or event, that person performed the best. But does that mean they're the best? Who cares? I personally don't care, as you can probably tell. But what's the point of even saying it? We say these words a lot. And it may sound like I'm picking on us, and I am. Because if we were more careful with our words, we would actually slow down and take the time to describe things as they are. Instead of these little white lies. And this is just one example using absolute terms. Because there are many other examples of how we speak that we do so in ways that can't be proven, so they can't be true. Or they can't be falsified, which means the debate is never-ending, which means the use of that language in the first place can be quite irrelevant. I'll get into that in another another episode, because that's a topic I'd really like to delve into with respect to philosophy and, and thoughts on, you know, the meaning of life and uh, how we attempt to describe it with words, which, uh, in my humble opinion, is impossible since life is a feeling, and the meaning of life is only vibrantly alive, only in feeling. You could never use enough words to describe it. It's impossible. Because just by virtue of the fact that we're using words, we're already one step removed and disconnected from the very feeling itself by having interrupted the space of feeling in order to take the time to think. Again, that's probably something for another episode to describe because that's, that's pretty deep. But it's absolutely true. And experience is what speaks to that. So I hope you find this interesting, perhaps a bit humorous, and yet something to contemplate and to be mindful of in the future when you're using these words and perhaps not tossing them around so liberally when they really can't be true. And take seriously you know, how honest and authentic of a human being are you, would you like to be, and makes you feel good? Because I'm a very rambly person at this point in my life after having been brutally shy for the first 20, 25 years. And I enjoy words a lot. And I am very careful with them. But I'm sure in the course of talking too much and sometimes talking too quickly, I say things that aren't 100% accurate. And to the best of my knowledge, that's fine. I try and let the intention and the meaning be what it is. But if I say words that seem to be that way, I enjoy when people point it out very much. In a perfect world, I wouldn't actually talk very much at all because I don't actually need to. I feel good about myself in this life without having to say too much. And I have many of those moments, mostly unto myself and when I'm around few people or in a, when I'm in large groups of people or at some activity when I am the quiet one. Until the topic of such things as I'm speaking about now comes up and people want some deeper example or insight. And because I've been through it, I can speak to that. And uh, hey, who knows? Perhaps one day Eckhart and I can have a chat and we'll go a little bit deeper together because there's some things that uh, we absolutely need to discuss in order to 
broaden the topic of what we are on this planet. So, I absolutely hope you enjoyed this and that I'll uh, hear from you if you have any questions or any comments. Steve at IlluminatingTheDisconnect.com is where you'll find me. In the moment is where I always am. And uh, feeling good, feeling free. I hope you are too. Take care. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves, and it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life. This is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, if you'd like to support a very simple human doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, and anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, there's a donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send uh, a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.